man. Oh, man. I'm so tired. Uh, okay, I can do this. Hello. It's Everything's Exhausted with Eve Sturgis. I'm Eve Sturgis, and I'm exhausted. That's not the name of this podcast. This is Everything's Relative, and I'm your host, Eve Sturgis. Please hold while I go and get another cup of coffee. Uh, okay, I'm back. I'm back. I really did go get coffee. <laughs> um, here, I'll take a sip so you can hear it. Maybe that's gross. Maybe that's great. I don't know. Mm. Kaylin and I had a date light night last night. Um, we saw Angel Olsen at Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Um, I don't know why I'm so beat, though. We got home at like 1030. I didn't even drink. Uh, Angel Olsen was fantastic. If you don't know who she is, go listen now. Go find her. Listen. We ate cheese. Maybe it was the cheese. Not that much cheese. <laughs> Do we have any recorded incidents of cheese hangovers out there? Can you get hungover from cheese? Anyway, enough about that. Let's talk about this podcast. Everything's Relative is about DNA discoveries. Surprising results that change everything. Don't know what I mean? Well, hang around. You'll find out. Today is episode 98 since I've begun this project. Um, anyone who's paying super close attention to this countdown might feel like I'm off by a number or two. But you guys, I can't, I can't figure it out or find the time or energy to double check. So I'm sticking with it. And also, who is paying that much attention? Go do something else with your, uh, with your energy mind. <laughs> I can't go back now. I'm committed. Today's 98. Maybe we're on 100. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's how I'm counting in my heart that matters. I like the number 98. I think I'm partial to even numbers or something. I don't know. Anyway. The guest today is Sheridan. She and I have been corresponding for almost a whole year, now that I think about it, more than a year, before I finally got her on the show. Um, and you know, you know when you meet someone and it's just really great? Well, I let this episode go long because I was having such a nice time. Sheridan and I are definitely meant to be friends, be colleagues. We're going to be together in some capacity. I'm so grateful she's able to put words to a lot of thoughts and feelings that I've been having. She says she didn't plan what she was going to say, but she explains it well. I wish I was her. Do you wish I was her? Should this be Everything's Relative podcast with Sheridan? Listen to find out. See you soon. This is Everything's Relative. I'm Eve Sturgis. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, 
with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So, like, I feel like I, well, I don't know. I don't know how to do this, there, this podcast thing. So, like, I know how to do therapy. So... <laughs> Good, because I've got a lo- I've got a lot of feelings okay, good. to talk okay. about today. Could just okay, good. Switch this around. Perfect. I'll stop and you talk. Oh no, 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 no. You go. I was just going to say I think that as a therapist, um, the resources that I've had to offer to clients isn't really changing or growing, which is part of the reason. I mean podcasts like yours. Um, there's a podcast and I should be better about writing them down, but I just go from one to one to next. So, um, but I give the same podcasts. Um, you know, funny enough, I carry around, I carry this around with me in my work bag and what people can't see is I'm holding up Leanne Hayes book. Um, because there aren't a lot of, there aren't a lot of other ones. And so, I thought, oh, maybe I should invest in some and give them to clients. But that, again, goes against my my desire to actually have a profitable business. Right. <laughs> I, I often I, I also often face that conflict. Yeah. So, I mean, I think knowing that I personally do that as somebody that's been in this position and I, I just think I want to do what I can to contribute to resources that are available or being able to support people that have been through this because. I mean, heck, it was only 2018 when I had my DNA discovery or surprise, and nobody really knows what to do with it. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. You're the first person to say that the resources, there's more resources than there were in 2018. Absolutely. That's, that's like a big conversation that everybody is having. Is ha- thank goodness. But it it maybe does feel like it's plateaued a little bit, right? Like, I don't know. We'll see, I guess. But yeah. But yeah, you're right. That book has remained, Leanne's book has remained the book. And it could be that we have such a small community. Well, I don't know, because it's growing. We'll just see. I'm a person that likes to find connection. I mean, I'm guessing that's kind of an underlying theme. But like, I listened this last week, maybe recently to another podcast of yours where somebody said 97% of people are, are not. Right, right. So, right. I- I don't know about you, but if you told me that I needed to do something because, well, 97% of people didn't need my services, I really wouldn't have a business. Right. Yeah. No, it's absolutely, it is, it's a really, um, yeah, that is a, it is a, that's a trip to think about, to think about it that way, to think about it. And I will also, I mean, again, Leanne, like you, Leanne doesn't know this, but like, she is a friend of mine, even though we've never met, never talked, but I've carried her book around, read it. So she did an excellent job. And so to that point, I would shout out to Leanne, if you're listening, like the resource is an excellent resource. It's credible. It's very, the perspective is well done. So I think there's part of it when something's a really quality product, I don't know, stands the test of time a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I hear you. I, yeah, totally. I'm saying this is my, this is my pre-coffee brain. Yeah, totally. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, where are you? I'm in Minnesota. Okay. So... I know that you said that. I mean, in the email, I said, where are you? And you definitely responded. And I just couldn't remember in this moment. I think I just said central time. Oh, okay. Because yeah, I, I'm sorry. I don't know how you edit this or whatever, but I'll just give, I saw this TikTok of this woman. 
and she had these post-its and I show this to my clients, uh-huh. these post-its all. And she said, these are things that I am letting go of things that uh-huh. I don't need. I don't need to figure out. And one of them was like Bitcoin. One of them was like fouls <laughs> in football. One of them was what the back of her head looks like. She's uh-huh. like, none of my business. I don't care. And so I've thought of that a lot. And there are things that I'm not going to learn. I am not going to learn how much time is between myself and other time zones. I'm going to Google. I'm going to ask Alexa, but I'm not going to learn it. Right. So, yep. yeah, I'm in central time. You're in central time. No, I had to sort of sim- like take a similar approach where I stopped. I used to every time I tried to schedule with someone or every time I was scheduling an interview with someone or a meeting or anything, I would try and include everybody's time zones in the email in the scheduling. So I'd be like, I'll be, are you available at 12 o'clock, three o'clock or two o'clock, five o'clock? You know, like I would do all the time zones and, um, and I would get it wrong or they would get it wrong. I just became such a, it was so hard that I no longer, I only speak in my time zone. <laughs> I only, yeah. What an, what a kind over-functioning thing to do for people though. But it exhausted me. It was a way to exhaust resources that I didn't need to exhaust, which is something you have to learn about when you have a over-functioning, people-pleasing behavior. Yeah. But you were one of the people that was so kind to volunteer to help me create the journal. Yes. So long ago. Yeah. Well, mainly because I really struggle with typos in any books. (laughs) So... When you put it out there, I was like, I love editing. I'm good at that. Mm -hmm. And also I like to collect resources and was like, this is awesome. Someone's making this. Um, It's kind of a, I I don't know. I think it's something that is needed. I mean, heck, your Amazon ratings are great. That's true. Thank you. If you have the book and you want to contribute to the Amazon ratings, please do. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for sure. Because it's a really good way. I mean, especially, I mean, I'm going to say this, you probably would sound, I don't think you'd sound weird. You'd sound confident, which would make me probably nervous, but it's an opportunity for maybe people that have experienced this, that aren't ready to look for a therapist, don't feel like they have a space to look for a therapist to have a little, I mean, medium-sized book in the privacy of their own home to maybe start doing some of the thinking that they need to do, but aren't ready to take outside of their own head. Yeah. And so I think that the journal you created really gives people maybe that aren't ready to take that step a little bit of a space to have some directed thinking. Wow. I've never heard anybody describe it that way. That's great. I mean, I assumed that that was just your mission when you created that. Absolutely. A hundred percent. Never had somebody feed it back to me that way. I'm going to clip that out and make a commercial. I Sounds good. It sounds good. Yeah. So yes, that's how we met, sort of met. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then we tried, I tried to just hang out with you. Right. And we never could make it work. And by we could never make it work, I think we should be honest and say it was me that could never make it work. You know, I I would like to give you that and be like, no, it's you. But what would happen is I would go and go and go. And then I would have a day where I was like, oh, I'm going to do something or I'm going to listen to podcasts. And then I'd be like, oh my God, I never followed up with, with Eve. I never followed up with her. And then I would log into my email and be like, oh, it's on her. It's her fault. She oh, needs to oh, respond. Yep. 
<laughs> and then in my course. I would immediately feel relief because <laughs> I had, I didn't, I wasn't the one. So to your that problem, end, it, it was validating for me to be able to be like, I mean, because well, pre years and years of really good therapy, Sheridan would have, um, just assumed that you didn't respond to me because of some, something that was wrong with me. Right. Totally. Um, which basically wasn't, I mean, I'm assuming you didn't know me well enough to make that judgment. No, no, no judgments. It's all wrong with me. It's all me and my over eager, over achieving, uh, overachieving desires, overachieving efforts with, uh, underwhelming ability to follow through. Don't you also think, I don't know, I saw a meme that said, well, actually even better than a meme, my daughter, one of my daughters that's in college sent me this sticker that said, what a, what a year this week has been. Yeah. Yes. And I'm waiting for a week that I don't feel that. Yes. Shout out to my kid, Monica, for buying me cool stickers for my computer. Yeah. Monica gets it. Yeah. She totally gets us. She's also an over-functioning child, but Hey, you know, the world needs us. Yes. Okay. Now what do I do? I'm real. I'm, I'm feeling less nervous, Good. but great. filling it with the chatter of whateverness. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did you grow up in Minnesota? I did. I did. I grew up in a town about eh, an hour South of like the twin cities metro area. Okay. Sort of. Well, I moved around. Well, funny enough, I moved around a lot when I was growing up due to the person who adopted me. It's very complicated um, with his job. So we moved around quite a bit. And then I ended up in the back in the town I was born in for high school. I mean, look, the, we are a, we are a podcast of complicated origin stories. So for sure. Okay. This starts with you being born. Yeah, sort of. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? Back it up. Why am I jumping ahead? Well, no, I mean, I want to, I don't know if this is like the asterisk on the, the, whatever is, I don't know if you want. You were never born. Asterisk. No. Um, so when I found out about my, when I got my DNA results, um, I don't know. I don't want to like give the big exciting story, but I had a couple months before that filled out or been, it was like, I had been asked by someone that knew someone or filled out a thing to do a podcast about children who had, or adults who had grown up, um, being, having, having a parent that died by suicide. So why that's important, um, why would that, why would you be on a podcast like that, Sheridan? Well, because I grew up, um, in the, um, person that my mom was married to when I was born, um, died by suicide when I was six. So why this is an important thing to know, um, is between when I agreed to do that podcast and then I was scheduled to do that podcast in the fall about a month prior to the podcast date, I found out about my DNA test results. That was just a coincidence. Correct. I was, yeah, I was, I mean, what I took, what I did, well, I can go into that too, but, um, but why it's important that I share that with you is because, um, I'm, I don't, I made a mistake in the sense of 
something that's really important to me as a therapist. And when I work with clients and funny enough, I just the other week that the focus was on appropriate disclosure in therapy. And I want to be really mindful about what I talk about. Even today, I made a mistake because I hadn't done my work. Mm. I found out this, these DNA results. And I went on this podcast, which is a relatively well-known podcast. Um, and essentially outed my mom. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's five, five, four, five, 2018. This was in 2018. Um, and well, many things with my mother and I have improved. Um, I know that that was a hurt to her and it was a mistake that I made. Hmm. And so me going on a podcast a month after finding that out was a really bad decision. And so that being said, I, I try to be really careful now as a therapist, as doing this. I mean, this is really since then the first podcast I've done, but um, I put all my shit out there when I hadn't, I hadn't done the work and it wasn't fair to any of the people, myself included. Hmm, that's so interesting to hear you say that. Um, and I really admire it. I just really admire your self-awareness and your insight. Now that also being said, I think a big piece of that was something that I have now found working with clients in reading books and just listening to your podcast. Like, while I have no desire to go on for further as education and do research, there, there are threads that seem to run between every person I've worked with that it's so hard for me to sit with them and be like, what? It's exact, almost word for word, what my mom said to me. So I think um, it's important for me to be informed by that, but I probably needed more time before I blasted it out to the world. The reason this is like so, this is so interesting and timely that you're talking about this because I have recently been struggling with having... I mean, I've had so many people on the podcast and and I, I love them all. And I'm so grateful for everyone that comes on. And I am so happy to provide a space that people can talk about these things. But so often people come on and they say things that I'm thinking, oh, dear, in my head or like, oh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like that's a that's a big thing to say or. Are you sure about that? Or I want to push back. I'm mm -hmm. like, wow, that doesn't sound like you're, you don't have any empathy for this. Or, you know, like I have right. lots of like questions and things I want to say that in the moment I'm, I'm afraid I'll be, it's too confrontational. Sure. And um, I'm, I'm incredibly, I'm scared of confrontation and that's not how I set it up. I think my training as a therapist has me so, um, a, a, a so like adept at just listening. I just listen. Yeah. And so people are talking and mm -hmm. I'm just listening and I've got so this whole wheel going through my head of like, oh shit, oh shit. <laughs> and, um, and for their sake or for, or for their family's sake or, you know, and it doesn't not necessarily big, huge things, but, or they just haven't, they just have opinions or perspectives even that are different than mine. Mm -hmm. And I don't say anything. And and so I've just been, and so I'm just, I'm not saying that I, I should have, or I always should have, I would, I think that would be a different podcast and it would, it would eventually yeah. have like yeah. met different guests come on, but 
I'm just in a real like think about that lately about um, when people come on and not that and 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 what if I had said like, wow, it sounds like you haven't done. Wow, it really sounds like you haven't done your work around this. Right. Uh, which would be a really bold thing to say. Um, but but anyway, so that's just like been on my mind a lot. I'm talking a lot about it with with Kaylin, my husband, and um, it's just really timely that you came on and just put such articulate words to um to looking back on something and 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 seeing where um i don't know where work would have been time you know we so often like every episode we're like take time slow down pace yourself like when this shock happens you know don't rush into anything we say we all say that and then but also so many people aren't heeding their own advice maybe, or I don't know. I just, I just think that's, it's, um, it's just really on my mind is that concept that you're talking about of, um, so thank you for bringing it up and speaking to it. And to that, to your point though, or, to, you know, kind of to what we're talking about is a couple different things that I think that are at play. Number one, in my story, everyone with the exception of the person that was, a, a, that attended my birth, everyone is alive. And right, that makes a difference. That makes a difference. Um, and the other piece of it, I also recognize very much, although probably when I did the first podcast, although I've listened to it since then, I, I wasn't cruel. I wasn't mean. It was just the act of me putting that out there that was was unkind. It was really unkind to my mother, to the person that she had been. I mean, I have to believe. I mean, not, not I don't have to believe. I know that my mom went through tremendous adversity and made a lot of sacrifices so I could be where I'm at. I know that. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really hard when you get that information and you're faced with this, like all the things that come with finding this out. And so I do also recognize that there's many people that find this out that maybe didn't have the underlying relationship with their parent or there was more things that went to it and so when i think about it i i recognize the value in the protectiveness in the the way that my mom whether she remembered or knew i mean that part isn't for me as big of a deal like i recognize that i had a mom that like would have done anything for me and still would but I was so hurt. And I think it's important to recognize like it wasn't, I mean, the, 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 the stuff that, you know, people joke like, Oh, I'm sure my kids are going to need therapy. Sure. My mom, you know, never let me have, you know, soda and never had sugar cereal. Like there's plenty of things that she was horribly strict on me too. So that being said, um, I try to be really mindful of that, even though, yeah. So and, and so thinking about everybody has their extenuating circumstances. And the other piece of it is the other podcast I did, I think was more sensational. Like, I think it was, in, I mean, cause this is a crazy story. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, there was, I mean, it's funny to me. There's a lot of people that I've met that have found out in 2018, probably because it was $99 for a 23andMe test for Amazon Prime Day. Oh, that's so interesting. Because as you were as you were saying that, I was like, there are a lot of people from 2018. Mm-hmm. I'm 2018. Yeah. I didn't find out, you know, I didn't, but I didn't find out the same way. But yes, like, huh, that was like the year. 
okay, sorry. I just had to make sure that like, I mean, I want to be careful of that because my mom, she's one of the most important people in my life. I mean, so I'm shrugging. People probably can't hear my shrugs. Yeah. No, I hear you. No, I really, I really, um, I really, yeah, you know, I respect and admire your, your attention to mindfulness about, about the people involved in the story. So do you want to go back to when I was born or yeah. I don't know? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So let's go back to when you were born. Well, I was born in the seventies, which is something that I'm reminded about a lot. And my mom married her high school sweetheart. He came from a pretty, from my, from my understanding, a pretty dysfunctional family with substance use and that kind of stuff. And my mom came from a family that, you know, was pretty solid, pretty supportive. I mean, I remember growing up thinking it was weird that I had like such a relationship with my aunts and uncles. Like a lot of kids didn't have that. And so I was born in the middle of July and to my mom and her husband, time went on. Okay. I'm really bumbling this. I'm sorry. I don't, this isn't the part of the story I tell very much. You're not bumbling. I'm yeah, no, I'm watching. I'm watching the wheels turn for you and trying to figure out, I'm trying to figure out how to help you, but you're also doing great. Well, so they were, so I was born and I knew that there had been some difficulty in the relationship um, because they had been married for like four years. And I, from my understanding, I think my mom wanted to like settle down, have a baby, like that kind of stuff. And he was pretty into partying. This is where my part where I mentioned, like I get reminded of the seventies, my mom's common phrase always growing up as well. It was the seventies and things were different then, which is, was kind of her response as it related to drug use, people responding to mental health issues. So sounds like the seventies were horrible and wonderful at the same time. I don't know. Very wild. If they were high school sweethearts and they got married and then you were born four years later, um, I always feel like it it helps me keep perspective. They're like 22 years old, 23. Yeah, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20 I think she, I think he's was like, so like she was 24 when I was born. And so, yeah, so they, but they got married, like she graduated from high school and they got married like two months later. Yeah. So, the, so anyway, the point, the point being they were so young and trying to think of, um, trying to think about, even though I know that, that people were getting married and having babies younger, more often, you know, especially in the, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, even, you know, 90s. Um, Heck, I got married when I was 22 because, you know, and we are no longer married. So, like <laughs> there's some things you need to do right. in your so 20s. Much growing that... Up that has to happen. So for her to want to settle down and have a baby um, and him to still be partying um, is, is, you know, I don't know. It's common. It's too bad. It's all sorts of things, but it's also like, oh yep. yeah, they were like kids. Right. And so, you know, my mom, it was sort of, I know now, and I mean, she didn't give me all those. Well, you'll find out, or you kind of already did, but um, so they were, he partied a lot. I knew it caused a lot of conflict in their marriage. I didn't know a lot more than that because I didn't ask. Well, and you're only six uh, or younger. You're then, only six or younger. Well, and so when I was a year old, they got divorced. Huh. Um, and my mom kind of said, and so it's hard, you know, with the information I know now with, you know, my background, my edu- you know, what I do for a job. Um, my mom said, you know, he, it was the seventies. He partied a lot. He 
self-medicated was the word she used. And I, for a long time, I had no idea what that meant. They got a divorce and um, there was some time in there where, well, my mom, I know my mom was a single mother and she really struggled to raise me and he was not super involved. I guess I'll share with you the way that my mom communicated with me because it's what I know and what I believe is that he was a very kind man that came from a very dysfunctional family himself, didn't have a lot of supports and um, he struggled to like, you know, show up for me. I remember seeing him a couple of times. I don't have great memories of that. He was very tall. He had very, you know, dark hair and dark brown eyes. Mm -hmm. I have dark hair and brown eyes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, My mom is a little short thing and I'm not like towering, but I'm five, six, which, okay. That's a little bit taller. My mom's like five, two, five, three. Um, So that's what I remember him looking like. I remember him bringing me an Easter basket. Um, And then I remember my mom meeting a man named Roger. Roger adopted me. Mm -hmm. And I know my mom and Roger talked to Dave, the person that was my father that my mom was married to. um, And he agreed to um, relinquish. Yeah. His parental rights. Um, And I could be a little off on the timeline, but I remember, I don't remember that, but I remember going to the courthouse and wearing a fancy pink dress and the judge being so nice to me. And um, then we went out to a fancy restaurant and my last name changed. Um, And this was when I was in kindergarten. And shortly after that, we moved to a different town because Roger had gotten a job as the chief of police in a close to us town. Um, And that was that. And we were a family of three and, I remember one day Roger came home from work and I don't know where my mom, I don't know. I don't remember any of any of the details other than seeing the police car come down the driveway. He told me that he asked me if I remembered the man named Dave. And I was like, yeah. And he said, well, he died. Hmm. And I don't remember where in the, in the, you know, remaining, you know, following years where I ever like learned that he died by suicide. Hmm. Right. Um, cause six, six would be very young to learn that. And it was 84 and mm-hmm. I went to a Catholic school and suicide is a sin, right? A mortal sin. Right. Ironically. Um, yeah. I mean, right. And, um, I remember being very, very sad because my mom was very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Roger was very, very sad. Like he, he was emotional in a way that I had never seen him. And then, um, I went on with my life. And, you know, growing up high school, you know, my mom was always very, um, she's very direct with information, like, you know, like, yep, you know, he, his dad had, you know, substance use problems. He grew up in a, you know, a family where he had, there was a lot of physical abuse. I mean, she was very straightforward with me and she's, you know, the reason that they didn't stay together is because he wasn't willing to stop partying and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know where in my lifetime that I became aware that someone doesn't make the choice to kill themselves unless they're very depressed mm-hmm, or or mm-hmm. or some sort of other other thing. And I mean, based on what I know, I don't have any evidence that he had a personality disorder or right. anything like like that. Um, but I don't remember anyone ever saying, "Oh, he was very depressed." 
Right. And- right. Oh my gosh. Well, thought and conversation and semantics and, and rhetoric around suicide has changed so much since, since then. Um, and it has a long way to go, but yeah, I mean, but I grew up like this was a secret mm. Not, and, and to be fair, my mom never said it was a secret, but like, why would I talk about that? Like, what would that mean about me? I mean, we both know the answer is it would mean nothing about me, mm-hmm. but you know, teenage me was like, ew. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I spent much of my teen years just like, I don't know, I mean, making various lies or stories or things that felt better to me, kind of trying them on that worked, but none of them were ever the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so went that way through college. My mom and Roger divorced when I was in college. And then my mom got remarried to a man named Steve. And um, my mom and Steve are still married. Um, Steve is the only person like on my side that my kids have ever had a relationship with or know as their papa. You're, it's interesting to watch your face on Zoom, just because no, the listeners can't see your face. But when you said Steve... Your fate, your whole body and face kind of sort of simultaneously relaxed and lit up at the same time. Just little, just like so subtle. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny that you say that. It's just he's um he's the kind of person that I just think, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't like this when he was a kid, but he's just like meant to be a dad, you know? Yeah. Um yeah. but I mean, he didn't come to be a part of my life until I was in my twenties. And you know, it was funny. I and I don't know, this sounds a little mushy, but our relation, my relationship with Steve really started over email Hmm. because that was back when I would go to the computer lab and almost every day I would have like an email from him. And like, sometimes they would like explain like the history of why signposts are wooden in Iowa. Oh, I mean, I mean, and not in a weird way, just like a really Uh interesting, it's interesting, right? Like they're middle in Minnesota signposts are metal. When you've crossed the border to Iowa, they're wood. Um, Or just an interesting fact about, I mean, but they were like thoughtful or like, oh, you know, we did this this weekend. Like, um, and so strangely enough, like that was back when email was a thing. And I have mm-hmm. a lot of emails because I, I like to print things. So I have a lot of the emails, like, and some of them are just like lame jokes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so anyway, I'm going kind of on and on about this, but so and I feel like I'm talking way more than I want to about like my history, not more than I want to, but like name mm-hmm. everything is, but anyway, so yeah. Okay. Now what, what do you want to know? My favorite color is blue. Oh, mine too. So, well, let's go to taking the test. Oh yeah. Well, I should, you know, I should. I mean, unless, unless something monumental happened between then and you know your um steve coming into your life and taking the test so my birthday's in july Mm -hmm. and in 2018 i was turning 40 and you know i have four kids life is busy and for my 40th birthday my mother-in-law and father-in-law who i am very close to it took me two tries but my second my second set of in-laws amazing human beings they gave me a card that had a $100, like a brand new $100 bill in it. Wow. Now, it's so strange to say it this way, but like 
And I've got four kids. Like, yeah, there's money in my bank account, but how often do I have like brand new $100 bills? Never, ever. Right. And so the day after my birthday was Amazon Prime Day. 23andMe was $99. Gosh, talk about kismet. Right. And I have for like ever and ever and ever been super into genealogy and the fact that I am Dutch. Um, my mom's family is like pretty close. Like, I don't know. I, I'm weirdly enough, very close to, a. I would call her my friend, Megan, but she's actually married to my second cousin. Who's my mom's first cousin. Like my family is, my mom has always done a very good job on staying connected to like her larger family and then the larger family. So like, and so like we were going to go to the Netherlands for my 40th birthday, my mom and sister and I, my mom, like I had been there, but like we'd never been there together. So we had this trip coming up. And so I was just going to kick ass and take names for my 40th birthday. Right. And so I went to the bank, I deposited my very smooth, like I, like I made it very formal. Like I went to the bank and like deposited it like in person with a teller Mm. and I bought the 23 and me test. I applied to grad school. Sure. And the, you know, Amazon's pretty quick. The test came and spit in the tube, mailed it off on the way to the airport to go to the Netherlands and spent a week. So by this time, it's like the beginning of August, spent the week in the Netherlands with my mom and sister. Anyway, and I have done a lot of research. So research my mom's family tree back to like the 1500s of like Dutch people. And so throughout the trip, we joked about like, I'm going to be like, so Dutch. Like, (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to be so Dutch. So got back from the trip. It was great. Trip of a lifetime. My mom and sister are like really funny, likable people. Mm-hmm. Like you? I mean, I know that sounds kind of weird, but like there wasn't a lot of like awkwardness and, you know, you know, like trip awkwardness. So it worked out well. That's amazing. So get back from the Netherlands. Life goes on. I'm 40. Get accepted to grad school. And on September 13th, my results came back, which was also a sign because my I had come up with this monthly list. So from July 13th, my birthday to August 13th, I applied to grad school, took a DNA test, went to the Netherlands. Hmm. September, you know, I had every month I had like a list of like, I was going to do something big every month. Milestone. September 13th, my results come back. And I was so excited. I like drove home and waited to like open them with my husband. And I matched with someone who was not my biological father. And I also matched with my mother. Oof. Oof. That's a lot of, that's like a lot of evidence in one, in one moment. That was weird. That's a lot of evidence to, to hit a biological mother and a biological father mm-hmm. as your first hit is, um, that takes away a lot of sh- doubt. Well, not for me. Clearly it was wrong. <laughs> I mean, the evidence, I don't know. You know just, yeah. Yeah. Right. You think, but I, I remember looking at it and being like, okay, yep. Let's look. Oh my God. I am 67% Dutch. Like, and I mean, I remember like looking at it being like, yes, woo, like I, that was very, when I say very important to me to know, I just, I don't know. It was exciting. 
That was exciting. And you had just been saying you were going to be so Dutch. I was going to be so Dutch. I didn't know. I wasn't really shooting for a number, mm-hmm. but like, um, like more than half. Yeah. Like, oh, got this. Um, Is that, and did you, before this, did you know what Dave's heritage was? Scandinavian. Yeah. All right. Minnesota. Like, I mean, I mean, my own husband, my husband, Jim, his family, like came to the United States so long ago, like there's I mean, like, it's just everyone in Minnesota is Scandinavian in some, in some way. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, okay. yeah. So, but the point being 67% Dutch isn't, would just be exciting <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, and it was exciting because like, I've been, I don't know. It was, well, no, and actually, no, I do know. I didn't know Dave's family. You know, I didn't know his family. I didn't have relationships with them. Um, they weren't a part of my life for, for most of I mean, by their choice. I mean, I really don't believe, I mean, cause I remember times where my mom tried and um, so I didn't have that connection, but it was so kind of the counterbalance of that is like my mom's family and their last name is Ernst, but my mom's family was so steeped in knowing their heritage and, you know, going back to the Netherlands and visiting the places where they came from. Like, it was so neat for me as somebody that's, I mean, and this is another weird theme that I've noticed in a lot of people that are NPEs or MPs is way before ever knowing they had like this weird interest in history and genealogy. I mean, so I've always had that. And like, you know, I can trace my mom's family tree back to 1520. Like, that's pretty good. And and so the other piece that I mean, I kind of I remember the one thing about being adopted when was that my last name became a name that was sort of um clearly identifying to one like ethnic background that wasn't mine. And it bothered me growing up. And like, even now, like, I don't love talk. Like, you know, when my kids are like, Oh mom, what's your maiden name for a password or whatever. I'm always like, meh, just use grandma's because my mom's, you know, I was so proud of my mom's family. Not that I wasn't, I just, it was this weird, like, I don't, I don't have any ownership of that because it isn't mine. It just did not connect. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always mispronounced and it was always, it was just, I was thankful to get rid of it. And it was at the end of the alphabet. And my mom tells a story that like the first, second day of school, I came back and asked like, why did the teacher keep putting me at the end of the line? Mm-hmm. So forever I changed that kindergarten teacher because my mom reached out to the school and the teacher started doing like backwards alphabet yeah. for a while too. <laughs> so like- Change it up. Like, I mean, yeah, but I mean, my mom was an advocate, you know, <laughs> like my kid mm-hmm. doesn't like me at the end of the line. So, so that was always like a thing for me. And then- mm-hmm. um. So after that, um, I reached out to my mom and my mom was like really insulted and bothered. And I mean, I'm not going to, the story that I would tell is a story that so many people mm-hmm. that experience it are the same as mine. I mean, my mom didn't want me to tell anyone. My mom was very upset and embarrassed and all the things that I'm sure that you feel. Um, and one thing that kept kind of coming up in her, I mean, she denied it, um, kept coming up for her was like, I would have told you. And hmm. I absolutely believe that. I don't think my mom withheld this from me knowingly. 
Hmm. Which is sort of weird. I mean, but also she's not that, she's just not that person. I mean, again, it, like. You're not the first person. You're not the first person that said that to me. And I, I think I've had people on the podcast say it, but I also have clients. I've experienced it with clients too. I mean, but if you think about it, Eve, like I can't imagine being in my late twenties and being married to somebody wanting or middle twenties, wanting to settle down him leaving and being gone for, you know, not being super committed to our marriage or whatever, wanting a baby, wanting all the things. I mean, I'm sure you had a period of time where all your friends were getting married. Cause I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if I can't, I mean, I don't even know, like they separated for a little bit or, or whatever. And then they got back together and he wanted to have a baby or they had a baby and that was great. And I was born brown eyed, brown haired, like mm-hmm. still he continued with his, with how he was divorced and then she finds someone else and then he dies. I can see how a choice that you made one night when you and your husband were separated or, or or whatever it was can get kind of wrapped up in the rest of life. Absolutely. Especially when, you know, you're, I mean, I'm going to guess she was in survival mode. Like I've mm-hmm. got a kid to raise. I've got, a, you know, an unreliable co-parent. All right. Um, how do I want to say this? Getting pregnant or conception is so hard. And so the chances <laughs> The chances of conception right. are so rare. We're so like, like one in a, you know, one in a million or like, mm-hmm. and this, I know that this sort of goes without saying, but it feels worth saying people have sex with people all the time and don't get pregnant. <laughs> like, like all the time, right. like a million trillion people are having sex right now and not getting pregnant. Mm-hmm. So one night in the middle of like one night in the middle of in the seventies, like, right. Like I, you know, and, and so to that end, like, I can't imagine. I mean, I just, I, you know, I mean, I'm amazed. I can't remember shit. I did like a year ago. (laughs) So I subsequently, because I am me looked this person up on Facebook and he had his phone number. So I called him. Oh, one of those Facebook guys. Right. And and like, um, we ended up connecting and, um, yeah, I don't, I mean, he's very nice. I am the middle of, I think three older than me and two younger than me. He has three children with his first wife and two children with his second wife. And I'm in the middle. He's married is he is, he and his, his wife. Now they don't have any kids. They've been together for a long time and, um, he's very nice. And we've, we got together a lot more in the beginning and then COVID um, made that hard because they, you know, live farther away. I've met most of my siblings, most of my half siblings, um, with the exception of one. I mean, we do Christmas cards and stuff like that. I, I think, you know, part of life just being busy and, you know, looking at how in life we you have to work to I me, mean, especially nobody told me that adulthood requires so much effort to maintain relationships. Yeah. Right. Like, isn't it the truth? My half sisters, the, pe- the ones that I know the most or have met the most, like they are wonderful, kind people. I just struggle to like, I can't get together with my own. Like, I have said that. I said that in like, especially during COVID 
the time I need to spend with these people I don't know, right? I would, if I had an hour, you know, and to, to choose, yeah. if I had an hour, I, my best friend since, since seventh grade, and I don't get to catch up enough. And wouldn't I just love to spend some time with her? Yeah. Anyway, yeah. No, I mean, but I think that that, that part is hard. Like, mm-hmm. and I, all of the people that I've met from, you know, my paternal side, like, are wonderful, kind people based on my interactions with them. It's it's just sort of a hard spot to be in. So here we are today, sort of. Here you are today. You know, all my years of Catholic school and anyone that's listening that, you know, went to Catholic school, I remember there were like lessons about vocations. But vocation was always explained to me as it relates to like being a priest or a nun. Um, I've since like looked that up. And a vocation is feeling called to something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you know, have worked a lot on like, you know, what's appropriate disclosure with clients. And I know when I went through my divorce, I would, you know, we saw dozens of professionals, attorneys, mediators, all those people. And I remember finding like overall, like I would ask them like, oh, have you, you know, what's, you know, your experience, like in your own life. And these are all people like, oh, yeah, I've been married to my high school sweetheart. We have a picket fence around our house. Everything's great. Our kids are. And I was like, I once, just once would like to see somebody who's done this, been through it and lived to tell the tale. And so in my practice in Minnesota, I work a lot with parents and co-parents and people going through divorce and people that have been divorced or thinking about divorced in in order to get through, like to get through it and live through it, because I didn't have anyone that I could like model myself after mm-hmm. and look at and be like, okay, this is the recipe that can sort of get you to where, you know, through this. And, you know, after all of that, as I've been kind of going through, you know, partly like working with families and divorce and working with co-parenting couples. Um, Somewhere in there, I set this. So I have a thing I do every year and I want to give credit to Gretchen Rubin. She does, she talks about like the, started out like the 21 and 21 list. Mm -hmm. And so I did a 22 and 22 list and now I have a 23 and 23 list. Can you tell a theme? I like to make lists. You're a lister. It's okay. I love, I love a list. I want to do this. Um, I want to do this with you. 23 and 23. Yeah. And so, then next well, year will be 24 and 24. Yeah. And my goal always is to get 50% of the list in a year, like in a, in a time, in a year's time, I want to get through 50% of the list. And um, do I have mine here? I usually carry it around with me in my planner. Um, but, um, and you know, my 40th year, I had this goal of doing something incredible mm-hmm. every month. <laughs> I'll be honest, that went to shit after the DNA surprise. Yeah, how could Um, it not? (laughs) And October's was supposed to be this podcast about a parent dying by suicide, but we know how that went. So 22 for, or what it was last year, 23, one of my goals was to do a public speaking gig. Mm -hmm. Now I'm learning that, you know, there's a reason people invented like the smart goals because I've not been specific enough on some of my goals. And so I volunteered to speak at my daughter's senior mother, daughter brunch. That was a tough crowd. Anyway, I did it. I lived, I had really cute pants, which can make all the difference. God, that can be, 
game changer. So with all of this, I've kind of realized since 2018, well, going way back to the divorce stuff, I went through my own self as a client. I went through a DBT program. Oh, wow. And I'm not sure, I don't know, listeners can be familiar with DBT, but it stands for dialectical behavior therapy. And one of the fundamental pieces or what dialectical means, it's a philosophical term, but it means that no one has absolute truth. I love DBT. I know some people that have experienced, you know, a, a MPE situation or found out about a parent that they didn't know, had a lot of anger towards their one, one or both of their parents. And I know that a lot of what I said was sympathetic sounding to my mother. Um, and for me, going through DBT as a client, Selena Gomez, by the way, also is a big advocate for DBT. Um, it's about coping skills. And the idea that going back to dialectal behavior therapy, no one has absolute truth. I cannot possibly know what was happening 45, 46 years ago in my mother's life to be in a spot to pass judgment on her, number one. But number two, it doesn't help me. It, it doesn't help me live a life that I want for myself. Now, does that mean I can't be angry? Does that mean I can't have all the feelings? No. But big part of dialectical behavior therapy is the idea that we can hold space for two things. And I'm probably kind of preaching to the choir. You know a lot of this. But like this idea that we can all have partners, husbands, wives, whatever, that we love very, very much. And we can still think they're the biggest buttheads we've ever met. How can we hold space for both of those things? I mean, we do it all the time. I do it on an hourly basis at times. Like, I mean, anyone that's a parent knows, like, who is this little jerk that I gave birth to that I would jump in front of a train for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How can we hold space for two things that don't seem like they can go together? And to my knowledge, and maybe you know something that I don't know, there is no therapy or no modality of therapy to support people that have a DNA discovery, right. whether it's like late discovery adoption, donor conceived, you know, a situation like mine, you know, there's modalities. I mean, so we just what call it trauma and throw some trauma tools at it. Mm -hmm. Not that that's bad. Right. No, I, I'm with you. So for me, when I talk about like a vocation and my calling, I had, I, I was a client in a DBT group way before I found out about my 23andMe results. And there's a skill. And I actually did a community and caring thing uh, for right to know mm -hmm. talking about, um, I think the title of it was how, if you can't make it better, how not to make it worse. Um, and one of the, one of the, the so DBT is also based on coping skills. Like how can you cope with the moment you're in without making it worse? Um, and one of the skills talks about radical acceptance mm -hmm. and radical acceptance is the idea that until you accept something exactly how it is, you cannot make any changes to it. I have worked with clients that have been in similar situation to me and how can people make space for the devastation of finding out, okay, who I thought my parent was isn't. And all the things, I mean, and actually another shout out for Leanne, she is not paying me for this. Um, <laughs> but like some of the things in her book that she talked about is like going back to um, out of context snippets of old conversations. Mm -hmm. 
I have yet to meet, I mean, an, an NPE or anybody in our situation that doesn't go back and like, I think a Rolodex is like an outdated term, but like I go through these things that I never would have thought I could remember that my mom told me. And I'm like, is that true? Mm-hmm. Were my aunts and uncles lying to me? Like, and trying to figure out how does that help me? Like, what's my why or what, what do I ultimately want? Mm-hmm. And when I think about radical acceptance, and I'll be really honest and take this however, um, I have had hurt, I have had anger, I have had shock and disappointment, all those things directed towards my mom, directed towards my aunts and uncles who maybe haven't shared things with me that they knew. And it doesn't get me the information. I mean, I don't know, I think it's a Shakespearean term. I'll never get my pound of flesh. So continuing, continuing to go to my mom and expect to get my need met about like, hey, this happened to me. I want you to have sympathy and have like compassion for the fact that like I found this out. I can't make, I mean, I think everyone probably, if we know this on some level, it's really hard to remember. Like Eve, I can't make you feel a certain way. I can't make you want to change to be a certain way. So recognizing in my interactions with my mom, I'm not going to be able to get her to show the same compassion from my point of view because she's on the other side of it. And she has her own shame and feelings about it. And that's her work to do. And I don't know if I'm, I mean, I want to convey this in a way that I guess I think something that so many people that are MPEs, this idea that it blows up their whole families, it blows up how things go for their, for their kids, for their parents. I mean, a lot of us are finding out, you know, when our parents aren't, in their 30s, you know what I mean? Like just by virtue of, you know, Um, and when I think about what do I want for my kids or myself in a relationship with my mom, as she's aging and I'm aging, how can I get to radical acceptance towards, I can't make her be something like, I I don't know. I can't make her see my point of view, but I can still have a relationship with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, Again, that makes me, I feel like it makes me sound a little bit unsympathetic to people that have gone through this and have all this anger. And I, I want to say that that is all justified. Those things can be true. And my biggest advice or suggestion is work on that with a therapist, work on that with somebody that doesn't have any skin in the game, that doesn't know your parents, that doesn't know your family. So they can help you figure out how do you want to leave, leave this earth with your relationship with your parent. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm making, I sound like I'm being like a little bit preachy and I don't mean to. I just. No, this is so beautiful. And I'm relating to it so personally that I, I'm just quiet because I'm just sort of stunned that, that because to me, I'm in, I'm in a very, I think similar place as you, although I never would have described it so articulately. We might be the same person. <laughs> same person, same person, different hair. And hearing you say that is so validating. I just, it, I am, a, I mean, I'm a mother mm-hmm. and I went through this terrible divorce where I put, I, I, I put, but my kids went through some really tough things and I'm sure that they will look back on their lives and think, why didn't my mom and my dad do a, do something different for me. I'm sure of that. Mm-hmm. 
And the best thing I can do is hold space for them. But like this TikTok I saw said the best performance review a parent can get is the relationship their children choose to have with them when they choose the relationship. Mm. And wow, I've worked really hard on my feelings about my mom. I've worked really hard on the feelings that I have about the choices she maybe made when I was growing up. And I also recognize that as a mother, as a parent, as, as somebody that cares for people that are dependent on them, you're constantly making a choice about, am I doing the best thing for them? Granted, I don't think about that as much as I should if I pull into McDonald's, but hey, for the most part, like, am I making the best choice for my my kid, the person that I'm in charge of safety in their best interest? And I believe, however I might disagree with it now, my mom always chose what she believed was going to be the best for me. Mm-hmm. And I have to look at the fact that I know I'm tremendously resilient. I lived through this divorce that was soul ripping. Am I definitely somebody that bristles when people phrase things as daddy issues? Yes. Because do I have them? Yes, I do. I've had four men in my life that have been my fathers and none of them have been my fathers in the way that my husband, my ex-husband and my my, my husband are fathers to their children, but I can't get that need met from my mom. Not now, not when I'm 45. Right. I can recognize I am extremely resilient. I definitely know that like, you know, I have continued to persevere. I have worked hard to be an advocate. I have a child with special needs who has surpassed every expectation and is going to college with an honors program. I also would say, I sound like I'm bragging here, I have a relationship with my stepdaughter that I am so grateful for because I'm not her mom, but I am someone in her life that loves her like a parent. And I have become all of the incredible things that I have in my life because of the woman my mom modeled, despite some pretty ugly shit that I had no idea was going on. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't speak for every client or every person. And I'm sure that there's plenty of people that have had really shitty parents. I've heard other people on your podcast that had parents that made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. I think you've probably seen it. There's the movie, the documentary, Little White Lie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there's a, like a comment in there that the, the, I can't remember her name, but she says, the biggest thing for my mom is to be with me in my present and I'm definitely misquoting her, but she's saying like, this is my present. So spending all this time with my mom talking about her past. So my God, I sound like maybe not a very like sympathetic therapist, but I guess what I'm saying is whether it's our parents, whether it's our, anyone that we've dealt with in our life. I mean, heck, I talk about this with clients, you know, going through divorce. My ex-husband, we had three children that were all created out of love. I am so grateful that I'm not married to him. Mm-hmm. But I'm also grateful for the math skills and the funny guy that he is. I can hold space for him being a great human being. And none of his lesser awesome qualities, I don't have to be married to them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that as human beings, we have to make room for that, especially for to find our own peace. I don't know. That's, I don't know. I feel like I'm being really cheesy. 
I mean, and granted, I have great supports. I mean, my husband, Jim, is he's the love of my life. I mean, we went to preschool together. We attended each other's weddings to other people. Like he is. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm lucky in that way, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm being cheesy. No, that was really beautiful. That was really beautiful. And I I appreciated it personally, just as someone who who sometimes wonders or feels I just me feel alone, me feel alone. I feel alone um, with a similar perspective and a journey that is continuing to evolve and my thoughts and my feelings about my relationship with my parents and what do I want and what is worth it and where, where and when and what do I do with the feelings of anger and betrayal and confusion. So I really appreciated you talking about that um and you and it's hard and it's and you're right and i don't think that you and i don't think i would say that we're telling anybody that you can't be angry or you can't be upset or you know oh God, like no. we're not no like we're not saying any of that um and you're just talking about your story and your choices and what has got you there and and offering a perspective that honestly doesn't come up very often on this podcast I also want to say that I'm talking about my experience. And I say that because I have learned that if I call my mom or I reach out to my mom, who I can reach out to her about a parenting issue, about a home repair issue, about a annoying person at work issue. And for the most part, she's pretty solid. But if I reach out to my mom and say, I'm feeling like really whatever about something, it never goes well. Mm-hmm. And why I'm saying that is in, by never goes well, I mean, in the clearest, I don't get my need met. Mm-hmm. If I call my mom and I say, oh, the, what, such and such kid is really stressing me out. She can give me great advice. But if I call my mom and say, I'm feeling really like low and annoyed that I have to, you know, everybody wants to get together at Christmas or, or, you know what, I'm even going to go shocking and say this because there was a really, my daughter had her graduation reception and I invited all of the living people that have been fathers in my life. Hmm. It was so stressful. Mm -hmm. I texted my mom because my biological dad was the first occasion really that he came up to me and said, I'd really like to get a picture of you and I and your mom. Hmm. And keep in mind, we are at an event with everybody I know my ex-husband and his family, my new husband and his family, who've been very supportive and wonderful. A lot of people that don't know all of the stuff, but a lot of people that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I felt like I was going to throw up Yeah, and I didn't want to cause a scene. So I went for it and stood there for the picture. And afterwards, my mom said, well, can you send me a copy of the picture? And I said, I don't have a copy of the picture. I said, and I want to let you know that that was very, very uncomfortable for me. And I really didn't like being put in that position. And she said, well, that was really uncomfortable for me too. How do you think this whole thing has been? Mm -hmm. And that is just a little sample of Mm -hmm. my mom is not the person I can go to, to get support about this. Mm -mm, Don't go to the hardware store for milk. Right. And so if I can say anything, I would say for my own self, I know it doesn't matter if I scream at my mom, if I send her passive aggressive texts or, or if I'm super healthy and talk about like do a dear man, which is a DBT skill about how to be direct and communicative. 
It doesn't matter how healthy I am. I can't get my need met there. Recognizing that I need to stop trying to get my need met there. My mom has her own stuff that she has to work on or not. If I'm saying anything to any of the listeners, it's you can do your own work and you can't make the other people do the work. I think your hardware store to get milk is good. I'm going to use that again. Yeah. Don't go to the hardware store for milk. No, that was perfect. Gosh, I'm just like, so I'm so I'm again, once again, totally speechless. Um, but just so grateful that you came on and to talk about all this. I didn't know that's where we were going. I didn't know you focused on DBT um, or the skills of DBT. I love DBT. It's definitely like, I would love to be able to start focusing more training for myself in the DBT realm. Thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. And now we both are aware that we are meant to be friends, whether, yeah, I mean, it's nice that I can actually, like I said, be friends with someone that now knows about it too. I was like, should we go to like, should we go meet somewhere? Like, should we Disney, Disney, we should go to Disney and then (laughs) a pool. I've never been to Las Vegas. Um, Oh, you know, yeah. Let's do that. Okay. We've, I just decided we're going to be friends. Yeah, totally. Nailed it. Well, what do you think? Should Sheridan create a competing podcast? She could call it, it's all radical except, wait, how does it, how does it, how do we make it? Radical acceptance podcast with Sheridan Anderson. I would for sure subscribe to that. Um, so today, part of radical acceptance for me is that Margot was supposed to start school today. Uh, her first day at a new school with Dallas it was um, very exciting, but she's homesick instead. And that's sad, but she's in great spirits, which is lovely and fun. Like she doesn't seem to be feeling very sick. Um, but the point is, I am struggling to get anything done today. Um, all parents who have ever had a child home understands what I'm going through today. So that said, I'm going to wrap this up. This is episode 98. I'm going to try and wrap it up. Feels really wild. So behind the scenes here at Everything's Relative, we have been forming a plan. Because if you haven't been paying attention, let me catch you up to speed. Next week will be episode 99, 99th episode overall since the beginning of this podcast. So Friday, September 15th will be episode 100. And what I have decided to do for that episode, I'm going to air the interview that I did with Jack Fronzak for that episode. For those of you who don't know his story, please tune in to the most wild and twisted tale of an NPE late discovery adoptee with way more questions than answers. It's exciting. It's it's sad. It's important. I'm excited doesn't feel like the right word. I'm happy that Jack has found us as a community. Proud to have him as a part of us um, and and be with him on this journey and he with us. Uh, and I think it's a perfect episode um, for episode 100. So that's what we're going to do. That's going to be September 15th. And then the season isn't over. Uh, there's going to be five or six weeks more of episodes and they will be great episodes. I, ha- I don't have them all lined up yet, so I can't tell you who it's going to be. Um, but people are scheduled. There'll be five or six weeks of them, maybe seven. 
So then after that, it will be the last episode of the season. It will be episode, you know, 106 or 107 or for the season, it'll be, I'm in the 20s for season five in that ballpark. And this is what I have decided to do. Wait. Okay, wait, before I get to that, I do have an announcement. I want to make sure that everyone knows that the Therapeutic Process Writing Group that I have been facilitating for the year, it's starting up again after um, a small August hiatus. Uh, So I really hope you can join me. If you've been thinking about it or if you're just hearing about it, please uh, come on over. It's Thursday nights. It's on Zoom, so you can join us from anywhere. It's really powerful. I'm so grateful to be a part of it. We use the journal who even am I anymore? Um, created by me and people go through it and meet every week to talk, talk about what they've written, talk about their feelings. People talk about their own experiences. It's just been really great. Um, I love, I love it. Uh, so it's going to be happening again this fall. We'll do it starting September 7th. So sign up, uh, and then we'll start again in January. So if you want more details, please contact me or Higher with hope and healing who hosts this project. A good way to reach either of us is through socials. I'm at Everything's Relative Podcast or go to my website, everythingsrelativepodcast.com or you can email me, eve at everythingsrelativepodcast.com. Okay? Okay. Where was I? The last episode of the season. As you know, I have been debating about this podcast in its current format and felt especially challenged this past year to balance my family life and work life and podcast life. Kaylin, who's my husband, who I mention occasionally, <laughs> we, he and I have been talking it over. And I um, have been talking out with friends and supporters of the podcast. Joy, who uh, my editor, has been a big part of these conversations. So for the last episode of the season, Kaylin is going to interview me. I'll tell my story in a way I never have before with my husband. Uh, it will be my time in the hot seat at long last. There's probably people excited to have, you know, me be on that side of things. Um, and then we're also going to announce what is happening for Everything's Relative in 2024. Saying all that right now, I feel extremely nervous about it. Uh, I might go throw up right now. Just imagining how it's going to feel in a few weeks before we sit down to make it happen. Oh, okay. Oh, the vulnerability attack I'm experiencing right now is very real. But that is weeks away. That's weeks away. We're still here today. I'm just going to get myself present into episode 98 with Sheridan. We still have Jack Franzak for episode 100. That's coming in two weeks, September 15th. And then a lot of other wonderfully lovely, beautiful, compelling, moving stories after Jack before it's the end. So hang around. Fun stuff is happening. Um, and until next week, episode 99, hey, get those lunch lunches packed. <laughs> Cancel your trip to Hawaii. I'm sorry, but it needs to happen. And don't forget to put the trash cans out. I'm Eve Sturgis, and this is Everything's Relative Podcast. Bye-bye. Everything's Relative with Eve Sturgis is produced by Eve Sturgis and Kaylin Egan and edited by Joy Rumor. Logo designed by Ivy McNally and music is used with permission from Goodbye the Band. Eve is a licensed psychotherapist, but her podcast episodes are not therapy sessions. That is so Californian that you put mm-hmm. oat milk in your coffee. We drink our, yeah, we drink our oat milk with coffee. We drink our coffee. Are you vegan? 
No. Do you have a swimming pool? No. Really? I thought everyone in California had a swimming pool for my whole life. Well, so I'm going to say no. And I'm going to say that my in-laws have a pool, which is, you know, pretty adjacent. And so you're pool adjacent. Yeah. You pool, have pro- a pool. yeah pool by like, proxy. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is, yeah. I do not have anyone. I have some people that have lakes. I'm lake oh. adjacent. But oh, I mean, that's beautiful. Do you go to Disney all the time? That is something that we do more often than I ever imagined I would go growing up. Yeah. Thank you. You're, well, you're welcome. I'm glad I can give that to you. Do you can you see a palm tree from your house? Oh my gosh. Surrounded. Cool. Yeah. So these are all my Minnesota child fantasies mm-hmm. about. And I mean, do you have rollerblades? No, but, okay, we so, roller, but we have roller skates. Counts. I have been, I have been surfing, but we don't surf. I have not been to the beach this in forever. How far away from a beach do you live? 45 minutes. Hmm. Still, that's pretty good. <laughs> I'm like, that's really far for me. <laughs> I mean, but like you, you could decide today yeah. you're going to go to the beach uh-huh. and, and you could come home and sleep in your own bed tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Man, you are so cool. 